Good morning, good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? ¿Cómo están todos? Buenos días, buenos días. So, um, I think I see everyone familiar, you know. So, today is United Service, and we do our span uh, service in Spanish and English. So, like I said before, this is your opportunity to learn Spanish at free cost to you. So, why don't we stand up? This is a beautiful day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Este es un hermoso día porque este es el día que hizo el Señor. Aun cuando no lo veamos así, even when we don't see it that way. Our Lord is faithful. Nuestro Dios es fiel. Amen. ¿Por qué no le dice a su hermano, estoy feliz de que estés aquí? Why don't you tell your brother, I'm glad you are here this morning. I'm glad you are here this morning. We are here to contemplate the beauty of the Lord. Estamos aquí para contemplar la hermosura de nuestro Señor. Amén. Así que únase con nosotros en esta mañana. So unite with us this morning and let us praise our Lord and King. Can we do that? Can we do that? Let's do it together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah.
Thank Father. Definitely don't want to stop the movement here, but let's have a seat for just a second if you can. I'm going to share just a few announcements with you as everyone else is coming on in. Come on in. It's always a joy to gather together on first Sunday. We get to see everybody that's part of this faith family, and it's always a joy. We have uh, several amazing things that are coming up. God is really moving here in Calvary, and one of the things that I value so much is the opportunities that he creates for us to connect with one another outside these walls. I look at Sunday morning, it's kind of like date night with our Lord, even though it's in the morning. It's just your one-on-one time with God. You may not in- interact too much with the person sitting in front, in front of you, and that's okay. This is our time with our, with our Lord. But we have opportunities outside these walls to connect with each other, to do life together. I would encourage you to take advantage of those opportunities. We have a couple coming up for our youth. Uh, the girls, we're taking them to Six Flags, Fiesta, Texas, in San Antonio. Uh, we're going to this uh, large uh, pool house uh, that is in a, on a ranch. It has their, its own pool. It's got this water slide there. It's got a full deck that could see out over the valley. It's a, a really beautiful place. We're going to unpack uh, uh, the uh, several sessions of going through what it means to be a godly woman. And so I would encourage you to, if you have a teenager uh, in between... Um, Sixth and seventh grade. Sorry, is this for high school? Yeah, sixth and twelfth grade. For sixth through twelfth grade, please just have them come. Well, they never come to anything that we do. Okay, that's fine. Let this be the first one. Everyone loves Six Flags. All right, that's kind of the draw, just to kind of get them in. But we're gonna be covering some really awesome stuff in in scripture. So I would encourage you, get your students to come and be a part of this. Uh, The juniors and seniors, we're also taking them on a trip. We're going to. South Padre Island, South Padre Island in deep South Texas. Uh, we have a really nice uh, condo that we've rented out there uh, right off the beach. And again, we're going to have a good time on the beach. But I'm going to share some last minute things with them. Before you graduate and are, are removed from accountability that you grew up with all your life, there's some things I want you to consider. Before you step out on your own, I want to show you some stuff in God's word that I hope will be written on the tablet of your heart before you leave this place. And so if you have a junior or a senior, I would love to have them join us. And that's going to be uh, in toward the end of May. And some more information will be given to your students on that. Brother, can you bring me down just a little bit? Thank you. Uh, the bottles that you guys have been uh, picking up in the main lobby, please fill those up with change and some, uh, some bills. All of that is going to support the, the, the source, which is a ministry that supports... Uh, Uh, Those who are pregnant and have uh, just these uh, very basic and common needs, and we want to come alongside of them to get them what they need. And so uh, one incredible way of doing that is just giving them a monetary gift. And so we are partnering with them to do that. If you hadn't got one of those bottles, please pick one up in in the main lobby. If you did pick one up, uh, make sure you bring that back so we can get that to them, okay? And then uh, VBS is coming up. If you have not participated in VBS before, let this be the first time you do it. I'm telling you, there's nothing more glorious than watching God impact the life of a, of a, of a small child, in, impact the heart of a young child, and being able to use you as his instrument. And so uh, please join us in uh, volunteering for uh, VBS called the Hero Hotline, I believe. So you get to... Dress up as your favorite superhero, I believe, or something to that effect. It's going to be a good time for your students, for your little kids. Uh, this coming this coming Friday, yes, 
I believe this coming Friday on April 5th, we are doing our, uh, I'm sorry, this is a, there's two things I want to tell you here. First is Wednesday. If you ever done our Cedar Meal uh, service, you should come. That's going to be this Wednesday. It's going to include all of our youth. Our youth leaders are gathering all the elements. Pastor Mark is going to share with us what the elements of Passover are all about. And, uh, and then at the end, we're going to eat some matzo ball soup. If you ever had matzo ball soup, this is a great chance to try it out. Uh, Pastor Mark and I and a few others had a chance to taste it, and it's amazing. Absolutely incredible. Um, I, I don't like to overstate things, but it's probably the best matzo ball soup I've ever had. So come try it out. That's going to be on Wednesday. And also, I think you'll be very blessed to learn why the people of Israel would use some of these elements and what it was reminding them of. In fact, to, to, uh, this morning we're going to be observing communion, which is for the, to bring to remembrance what Christ has done for us. And so I think you'd be really blessed to see what, uh, what, how each of these elements uh, are, are symbolic of something very meaningful in, uh, in Passover. So I would encourage you to come join us. That's going to be this Wednesday. And then on the following Friday, on April 7th, we'll be doing our Good, Friday, our Good Friday service. I would encourage you to come and join us for that as well. On Monday nights, we do pray for one another in front of you on the chairs, that little black slits that you have there. There are little prayer cards. We take every single one of those and we pray for you guys. Uh, this is a church that prays for one another. Uh, we lift up each other in prayer. We, we pray what God has placed on our heart. And so on Monday nights, we had a chance to, to uh, be with a group that prayed. And I'm telling you, there's, there's nothing more beautiful than being able to be a part of God's will being activated by us being obedient in prayer. And so if you would like to join us to do that uh, for your brothers and sisters, come here on Monday nights at 630. And uh, we'll pray for one another. If you would like for us to come alongside of you in prayer, just fill out one of those cards. And we'll come be absolutely joy, uh, a joyful blessing for us to, to come alongside of you that way. And if you want just the pastors to read that, just fold that in half. Uh, put it in the offering baskets or in the, the offering box that's in the main lobby. And just the pastors will read that and be praying for you, okay? Uh, at this time, would you uh, stand up and turn around and look for someone that you haven't seen in a while and say, hello, I'm so glad to see you. I'm glad you're here. God bless you in the name of Christ. I see you guys.
eres bueno, Señor. Tú eres bueno, papá. This morning we lift our hands to you, Father. Levantamos nuestras manos a ti esta mañana, Señor. Nos rendimos a ti. We surrender to you, Father. We surrender our will to you, Lord. Rendimos nuestra voluntad a ti, Señor. Rendimos nuestros pensamientos, nuestras emociones. We surrender our thoughts, our emotions to you, Lord. Let it be you, Lord, in this praise and in this worship, Father. Que seas tú, Señor, en esta alabanza y en esta adoración. Padre, levantamos nuestras manos. We lift our hands to you, Lord. Recognizing that you are the only God. Reconociendo que tú eres el único Dios verdadero a quien servimos. The only true God that we surrender to and we worship. You are our Lord. You are our God. Tú eres nuestro Señor. Tú eres nuestro Padre. You are our Father. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, Father, let us be a generation that seeks your face, Father. Oh, Padre, que seamos una generación que busca tu rostro, Padre. Que busca tu rostro, Señor. That seeks your face, Lord. Hallelujah. Ooh. We bow our hearts. We bend our knees. Oh, Spirit, come make us humble. Yes, Father. We bow our hearts for me, all things. Oh, Lord, we cast down our idols. Say it with me once again. We bow our hearts. We bend our knees. Oh, Spirit, come in. We turn around, we turn around from evil things. Oh Lord, we cast out our idols. So give us clean hands and give us your
Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we do ask that we are come before you in humility. Asking, asking that we do indeed have clean hands and a pure heart. I pray, Father, as we stand before you, we stand before you with no obstruction. Brothers and sisters, in this time, as we come before the Lord in prayer, I would encourage you to do what is necessary for you to come before the Lord. If that means putting off a distraction that we came in with, I encourage you to take the time to do that. If that means within your heart of hearts, you're releasing someone of any grudge or any hurt, releasing them of any desire for vengeance. Is there any unforgiveness in our hearts? Father, if there be anything that will keep us from hearing from you, I pray, God, we would lay that down this morning. Father, as we come before you, we are so grateful that you allow us to enter into your presence. Even of all of our insufficiencies and shortcomings, you say, come. Come as you are. Not because of who we are, what we've done, but because of what Christ has done on our behalf. And Lord, we praise you so much for that. God, these next few moments, we want to open our hearts to you. God, you've wired our hearts to be moved by the reading of your word. For our minds to be washed as we unpack your truth. God, I pray a special blessing on our brother, Pastor Mark, as he has prepared his heart to share with us your word. I pray, Father, we would be eager to hear from you and even more eager to obey you. If you're calling us to obedience in any area of our life, I pray, Lord, we would joyfully say yes. Father, this morning we're going to have an opportunity to commune with you as we take the Lord's Supper. I pray, Father, you would use these next few moments to prepare, uh, use these next few moments to prepare our hearts for that. The Lord, that we would eat and drink in a worthy manner. Lord, we would joyfully remember what it took for us to be right standing with you and not take this lightly for those of us who are apart from you in any way I pray Lord you would call on us in a way that only you can that you would captivate the heart in a way only you can that you restore a relationship with you in a way that only you can Father we love you and Lord we depend solely on you and we thank you that we can come before you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, Pastor Mark. Good morning. Y'all doing well? I've had a, a few comments. How many like this shirt? This is ah, it's from Ethiopia. It's from my son. This was one of my Christmas gifts. So, so I wear it for Easter, right? You know. Um, so, uh, 
This morning is Palm Sunday, um, which is the beginning of, of Holy Week. The Holy Week is, uh, starts with Palm Sunday, ends with uh, Resurrection Sunday. It's extremely important to the Gospel writers. Uh, at least for, the, for three of the Gospel writers, about a third of the Gospel is dedicated to this one week. Out of all the events in the life, three and a half years of ministry in Jesus, a third of the Gospel is dedicated to this one week. And in the Gospel of John, half of it, half of the Gospel of John is dedicated to this one week. Yeah, there's a lot of content on it. So it begins today with Palm Sunday. It's recorded in all four of the Gospels. And on this day, on Palm Sunday, Jesus, by riding into Jerusalem, reveals that he is to become the king. But he's going to become a king in a new way. He didn't come to conquer a land. He came to conquer the human heart. Amen? So this morning, what we're going to do is, when it happens, when this happens... Palm Sunday, this this holy, it happens in a certain context. It happens in the context of Passover. And that's not an accident. It is on purpose. And I'm hoping this morning we can look at just a little bit of seeing how these overlap. And God purposely chose this moment to reveal his Passover lamb. And in doing this morning, as we we look at, uh, um, there's there's a couple of requirements in Passover. And one of those requirements, because Passover is also called the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and so there's the removing of leaven that has to happen through that week. And what I hope we see by the end is that he comes to to not just remove unleavened bread, but remove the leaven from our hearts. And so that's where we're going to go. That's where I'm hoping to go this morning as we go through this. And so the the ancient context of, of Palm Sunday, Jesus riding into Jerusalem, the ancient context is Passover. Now, by the way, Pastor Zeke mentioned this. On Wednesday night, we are having a Passover Seder. It is a Messianic se- uh, Passover Seder. If you've never participated in one, uh, let us know. It would be a good idea to let Pastor Zeke know so we can get a, a pretty good count. On, on We're never really good at counting how many people come. But... Uh, but you know what? We believe in God multiplying, so that's all right. <laughs> we want you to come. It is an amazing time to see. the some, I'm going to show a little of the overlap this morning. You will see much more of it. When I took the time to actually read and study the feast, I used to think, well, the feast, they, those were Old Testament Jewish things. That's nice. I'm just interested in Jesus. He's New Testament. When I took the time to stop and study the feast, oh, my goodness, they are God's divine appointments. Every single one of them wasn't simply commemorating something in the past. It was pointing to something in the future. When I look and saw how much they are about my Savior and not only what he has done, what he is doing and what he will do, I saw how much of a travesty it was I went so many years without understanding. So in that context... We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna bring Passover and Holy Week over top of each other just a little bit this morning. Wednesday night we'll do it some more. We're going to do it again on Good Friday, so we want to invite you out for that. And, and, uh, uh, and, and t- today, this morning, I'm hoping we get to this concept of Jesus wants to remove the leaven from our hearts. All right, so Passover, the ancient context. It's the defining moment in ancient Israel. In, in Passover, it was, a, it was a covenant made in blood. 
the blood of a pure, innocent lamb. All who would, by faith, come under the covering of that blood could escape judgment. So let's go back to Exodus for a moment. Just look at a few verses. Verse 5. The lamb shall be without blemish. A male, a year old, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. So the first thing we see, it's a spotless, it's a pure lamb. Verse 7. They shall take some of the blood and they shall put it on the two doorposts of the house and on the lentil of the house in which they eat it. And jumping down to verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. And I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am Yahweh. And then he says, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood. Notice, where are they? They're in the house. Where's the blood? On the outside. Who sees the blood? God sees the blood. They have to trust in faith that God's seeing the blood. When I see the blood, I will pass over, hence the name Passover, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. For Israel, Passover was a revolution. Egypt came under judgment. Why? For unbelief and rebellion. Now, what we need to understand about this is we need to understand the Egyptians could take the blood of the lamb and put it on their houses as well. They didn't have to go through judgment. They chose to go through judgment. Why? Because they did not believe the word of God. In spite of all the plagues, in spite of everything they'd seen, they chose to not believe God's word. Judgment came because we don't believe not because god wants to bring it on us passover was the demoralization of the hardened heart of a tyrant king you had a tyrant king who had hardened his heart and it was passover that broke him passover judged the gods of egypt it was passover that said your gods your idols are impotent they have no power passover delivered literally an entire nation out of slavery. Passover established Israel as the kingdom under God on earth. So this is the context. It is in this context that Jesus rides into Jerusalem as God's Passover lamb. What does he want to do? He wants to bring a new revolution. He wants to deliver the world from the slavery of sin and death. He's not seeking to create a new nation. He's creating to seek a new way to be human. Did you catch that? So in this context, in the fullness of time, in God's divine appointment, Jesus rides into Jerusalem. He's God's Passover land. He's giving us this new revolution. He's delivering us out. Now, how do we see the context? This is kind of cool. It tells us this on Passover, that on the 10th day of the first month, choose a spotless lamb. So the Israelites were to go out on the 10th day of the first month. This is, here it is in, in Exodus chapter 12. It says, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It was called Aviv. Later it was called Nisan. And it shall be the first month of the year. So in the very beginning of the year. Tell all the congregation of Israel that what day? The 10th day. Now keep that in your mind. Remember that 10th day. Okay? We're going to get to it. Tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for every household. Now, 
Knowing that for a minute, set that aside. All four Gospels tell us something. All four Gospels testify that Jesus died on a Friday. It's in all four. It's also in the Didache. It's in Josephus. It's in the Talmud. It's in early church history. It's a well-established fact that Jesus dies on Friday. Now, we're going to follow the timeline according to the Gospel of John. And you can ask me later. That's, a, that's a, for those that want to do deep study. Come ask me later why I'm following that timeline and not other timelines. Uh, there's good reason for it. But we're going to follow one in John. The actual day of Friday that he died would be the 14th. Okay, the 14th. Now, catch this. John tells us very clearly, here it is, six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was born, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table. So Jesus, John tells us six days, which if you take 14, I know this is high math, if you take 14 and minus six, that equals eight. This is the eighth day of the month, okay? On the eighth day of the month, he's having a Sabbath dinner with Mary, uh, with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Here he is, Sabbath dinner, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, the eighth day. Okay, so they, they serve dinner. Now it tells us, John tells us the very next day, so eight plus one equals, wow, so you're all awake this morning, look at that. It's ninth, that's right, the ninth. It's now the ninth, okay? And, and he tells us what? It says the next day, on the ninth, Jesus begins his triumphant ride into Jerusalem. Here it is in John 12. The next day, a large crowd had come to the feast, heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. The next day. So they took branches of palm trees, and they went out to meet him. And they're crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. And just as as written, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Now, all four of the Gospels record this event. All four of the Gospels talk about this prophecy from Zechariah. All four of the Gospels mention these phrases from the Psalms. What's going on here? What's this scene? This is Palm Sunday. The people have recognized their king has come. Jesus is coming in triumphantly. He's riding in, and they're taking their coats off. You can look this up later. This is an Old Testament practice. They would put their garments down before kings when they would come into town. They're doing the same with palms. Palms remind us of Sukkot as well, when they wave the palms before the Lord and declaring that he is king in their midst. All of this is going on. They see it, and they're crying out these psalms, Hosanna, Hosanna. Hosanna means save us. Save us. King Jesus, son of David. They're declaring this as he's riding in. Now, they're doing all this in the context of a prophecy. They're using a pro- there are multiple prophecies. We're just going to look at one. Uh, this is Zechariah 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. So Zechariah is saying, your king is coming. He's righteous. He's bringing salvation. And then he says what? He's humble. He's mounted on a donkey, on the colt, on a foal of a donkey. He's coming victorious, but he's coming humble. Hmm. Hmm. And then Zechariah says, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. Notice, the king's not coming riding on a chariot. The king's not coming riding on a war horse. He's coming victorious on a donkey. Hmm. And the battle bow will be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. He's not going to be coming carrying a battle bow. 
He's not going to be coming seeking to take the sword and conquer the lands. He's bringing peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea, from river to the ends of the earth, and and for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. This is just one small part of this poem. It's in, it's set in a greater poem. Again, something else to go study another time. But what do we take from just this little bit that the that the people are crying out? He's a king. He's come. He's righteous. He's bringing salvation. He's humble. He doesn't ride on a chariot. He doesn't ride on a war horse. He doesn't conquer with a battle bow. He speaks peace to the nations. He rules from sea to sea to the end of the earth. It's his blood that sets us free from our prison of sin and death. He comes to conquer the human heart. And Mark 11 tells us this. As he enters into Jerusalem and he goes into the temple. And when he looked around at everything, it was already late. And when he went out to Bethany, and he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now, if anybody here knows, the, understands the Bible and how the day is accounted, does anybody know when the day begins in the Bible? In the evening, sunset. He enters the temple and it's what? It's late. It's evening. It's the next day. What day was it before? The ninth. What day is it now? The tenth. Jesus has entered into the temple on the tenth of Aviv. God has chosen his lamb. In this context... If this is the Lamb of God, he has to be spotless. Just to be pure. They, the, in Israel, you would take your lamb and you would bring it into your house. And for four days, you're examining their lamb. Is there something wrong with this lamb? We need to test this lamb and make sure it's ready to be the peace lamb. And not only do we do that, we do something else. We go throughout the house and we look for all the leaven in the house because this is the feast of unleavened bread. And we remove all the leaven. There's an old tradition that says you take a candle and a feather and a spoon and you work to every corner with that candle, with that light, sweeping up any little bit of leaven you can find to get it out of the house because it's Passover. We want no leaven. So these are the two requirements that have to be met. Jesus first must be the, as the Passover land must be spotless. And what does the Gospels tell us? The Gospels tell us that the leaders of the day put Jesus to the test in Holy Week. They want to see, is he spotless? And number two, all leaven has to be removed from the house. It's, it's not only Passover, it's the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And here it is in, in Exodus. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove the leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leaven from the first day until the seventh, that person is cut off from Israel. Now Paul reminds us something. He reminds us that Christ is our Passover lamb. And that we're to cleanse that leaven out of our lives every day. Because he's every day our Passover lamb. Check this out in Corinthians. Your boasting's not good. Don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. How do you like that? Paul called you a lump. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a lump. (laughs) 
As you really are unleavened, for Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the festival. Let us remember the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Jesus comes to cleanse the leaven. Jesus comes to conquer the human heart. Amen? And so Jesus enters the temple, and he drives out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturns the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he said, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in temple, and he healed them. Jesus is cleaning the leaven out of the house of God. And that's what causes the leaders to come and challenge him. By what authority do you do this? How do you do that? Where does your authority come from? And they begin to test him as the Lamb of God. Now, these next four questions, four tests that he gives, are tests, three of them are tests to Jesus, and then Jesus turns the table and tests them. But I would submit to you they're also tests to us. As we listen to these, let us ask if there's leaven in our own hearts. Amen? So here's the four questions. The first is a legal question. A legal, it's a question of, of halakha. How do we keep? Uh, can we keep this right? How do we live out? The second question is what's called a vulgar question. Now, what do you mean by vulgar? It's a common question. What does that mean? To take something that has a holy and special purpose and to use it for other than its purpose, you just made it common. You just made it vulgar. And so this is the type of question That is out there to try to question your faith, to try to question your belief, to try to challenge you to take that which is set apart and special and try to make it common. The third question is a principle of conduct. How do we behave? How do we live? And finally, the fourth question is a narrative question. It's interpreting. It's understanding the text. What does the text mean? Because Jesus leads us into all truth. All right, so the first one, what is it? Is it lawful to pay taxes for Caesar? Oh, I wish he answered this different. Just about this time of year, I'm really wishing he answered this different. Every year. So they said to him, this is Mark 12, they sent him to some of the Pharisees and, and some of the Herodians. They sent, so let me start again. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. Okay, right away, we should be going, "Uh uh-oh, what's going on? Anytime the Pharisees and the Herodians get together, this is not good. They hate each other. They hate each other. And they've come together. They've figured out a way to trap Jesus between them from their separate worldviews and the way they come from. And they came and they said, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion. Well, that's actually true. He really didn't care about their opinion. For you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. You hear they're trying to butter him up, and he's going, yeah, you're absolutely right so far. So, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? They think they have the trapping question. Michael Ramston shares a story that when he was a kid, he thought he had the perfect trapping question. He said, this is the perfect question, right? He said he would go around and ask all his friends, does your mother know that you're ugly? No! Oh, so she doesn't know you're ugly. Yes! Oh, she thinks you're ugly. You know? <laughs> he thought it was the perfect question. It was meant to trap. That's what they've just done here. You see, 
the Pharisees are going to say, if he says it's not legal to pay, I mean, it is legal to pay taxes, he can't be the Messiah. He's on the side of Rome. The Herodians say, because they loved Rome, if he says it is not legal, oh, we'll have him arrested and done away with because he's now standing against Rome. That's why the Pharisees and Herodians came together to do this question. So they would have a witness to testify for their own positions to get rid of him. But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, why do you put me to the test? Bring me a denarii and let me look at it. Or a denarius. And they brought one. And he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are that are to God. And they marveled. And why they are hypocrites is very simple. Because if they actually wanted to know the truth, they wouldn't simply be marveling. They would be filled with another extremely important question. If they really wanted to dive in and go, okay, Lord, you're the one who has all truth, they would be asking another question. They wouldn't have just left it there like they were trapped and didn't have an answer. What's the question they would have been asking? And I hope it's the question every one of us are asking. Jesus says, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are to God's. They should have asked, well, what belongs to God? We know what belongs to Caesar. What belongs to God? And Jesus would have said, whose image is on you? Whose image is on you? If we're cleaning out the leaven of our hearts, do we realize that we are created in the image of God and we belong to him? Have we rendered our lives to him? Brings us to the next question. This is a common question, a vulgar question. It's meant to ridicule, to question belief. In Hebrew, it's called a barut. The question is, whose wife is she? Whose wife is she? And it's a technical question that has to do with the law. Under the, they were super concerned about inheritance, and they had good reason to be in the land of Israel. And so they wanted to make sure inheritance was passed down. And so they had this law. This law was that if you died and didn't have a, 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 a child to inherit, then, uh, then your wife was to marry the next of kin to, bring, uh, to inherit that land. It's what the book of Ruth is all about. If you want to see a beautiful story about it, go check out the book of Ruth. All right. In that context, you have the Sadducees. Now, the Sadducees are bringing up this question because the Sadducees, they didn't believe in resurrection. They believed that only the Torah was Scripture. They didn't believe the prophets and writing were Scripture. They didn't believe in angels and spiritual, and spiritual things other than that God existed. So uh, they, they were very much all about living life in this world. And so they didn't believe in a resurrection. They thought, we have the ultimate question to defeat Jesus on resurrection, why resurrection is not possible. And this is what they say. They came to him and they said, who, uh, um, came to him, who say there is no re- resurrection, the Sadducees, and they asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but leaves no child, that man must take the widow and raise up offspring for her brother. Well, there were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and when he died, he left no offspring. The second took her and died, leaving no offspring. And the third, likewise. And and the seventh left no offspring. Last of all, the woman died. Now, teacher, in the resurrection, since we all know there's not a resurrection, 
when they rise again, whose wife will she be? For she had, for, for the seven had her as a wife. Oh, we've stumped Jesus now. We got the ultimate question. Anybody here like, oh, if God is all powerful, can he make a rock so big not even he can lift? Oh, I got you now. Can't be a God. Jesus answers it very simply. When I find my place, it's very simply. In the resurrection, when they uh, Jesus said to them, Is this not the reason you're wrong? Because you neither know the scriptures nor the power of God. The reason why you don't, you're wrong is you don't know the scriptures. If you knew the scriptures, you wouldn't be asking this question. Neither do you know the power of God. You have misinterpreted and misunderstood the power of God. Is God so big he, he can't make a rock that he can lift? You, you don't understand what omnipotence is. Omnipotence doesn't mean God can do anything. Can God lie? God, it means that God is sovereign and his will will come to pass. You can challenge it all you want, but unless you know the scriptures in his power, you will come up face to face against it. So Jesus asks him. He goes on and he says, For when they rise from the dead, neither will they marry nor are given in marriage, but they're like the angels. For as the dead being raised... Have you not read in the book of Moses in the passage about the bush? He's talking about the burning bush. How God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. He's saying, listen, hundreds of years after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob lived, God speaks out of the bush and says, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Jacob. I am the God of, uh, of Isaac. If he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he's the God of the living, they can't be dead in the sense they mean. You don't understand the scriptures. So if we're cleaning out the the leaven, if we're looking at our hearts, let me ask us a question. How well do we know the scriptures? And the power of God. Are the scriptures a part of our lives? Jesus said, and the scriptures themselves say, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Let me ask a question. How many of us would go a week without food? How many of us would go a week without the Bible? Would we do without food the way we do without the Bible and yet sit here and believe That God's word is our food. How about the power of God? Do we deny the power of God? I don't deny the power of God. God can do anything. I believe in God. Well, do we deny it by our actions, not simply our words and what we say? Well, what do you mean by my actions? I mean, I'm a good person. Well, how's your prayer life? We just spent three weeks talking about prayer. How many of us have changed our prayer life? How many actually believe that when we call upon the Lord, he hears us and desires to answer? I mean, it's what he says in his word. Do we act our trust? Do we live our trust? Take a moment and clean the leaven out of our hearts. All right, question number three is a question of conduct. How do we behave? And so this question is this, is what is the most important commandment? What's the most important commandment? And one of the scribes came up 
This is in, in verse 28 of Mark 12. Came up and heard them disputing one another, and seeing that he answered well, he asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Now, the way Mark presents this, this guy actually wants to know. Lord, what's the most important commandment? I, I want to know. And Jesus answered, the most important, and he quotes Deuteronomy, quotes what's called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now, what's fascinating about this is the way that it's recorded for us. He actually adds two things, strength and mind to the end of that. If you go back to the Hebrew, it only says strength. Why? Because the Hebrew word there is me'od. And what it means, it means all of your everything, all of your earthly goods, everything you own, everything that makes you who you are. It's not simply that I strenuously love him. It's that I have literally given everything into him in my life. And it says, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said he is one, and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the strength, to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Jesus saw that he answered wisely and said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, nobody else dared to ask them the questions. If we're cleaning out the leaven, do we genuinely, how many of us, if we saw Jesus, would want to know what's the most important commandment for us? Many of that's our pressing question right now. Jesus, what's the most important commandment for us? How many are sitting there wanting to serve Jesus like that? How many are pressing to know of everything, everything in the Bible, everything there is in life, everything, what is it that's most important you want for me? Do we really want to serve God with our whole being? Have we made the decision that our lives belong to him? Are we giving him lip service? Or are we embracing him with diligence, with perseverance, with character, with our soul? Are we willing to give him everything, our possessions, our time, our strength, our sustenance? How do we look at our neighbor? Is our neighbor more important than us? We put the needs of others first. Because Jesus says, now you're not far from the kingdom of God. And finally, Jesus turns the table on them, and there's a fourth question. It's a narrative interpretation question. It's trying to understand the text. How many know sometimes you open the Bible and there's these texts like, ah, that's weird, Lord, I don't know what that means. Well, he's about to do this, right? Because they're expecting the king to be from a line of David. There's a, da- there's a son of David, okay? So they're looking for a human king that is a descendant of David. And Jesus turns the table on the identity of who they're looking for. And this is what it says. And Jesus taught in the temple, and he said, How can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? And, of course, everybody's sitting there going, Well, of course, everybody knows he's the son of David. I mean, okay, Lord, why are you asking us this? But he goes on and he says this, David himself in the Holy Spirit declared, and this is quoting from the Psalms, Yahweh said to my master, to Adonai, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him master, Lord, Adonai. So how is he his son? 
father would never call his son master and Lord. Much less a descendant way down the line. And they all were greatly wondering what he's meaning. So let me ask you, what do you call Jesus? Do you call him Lord and Master? Is he the reason you're alive? Or is he there for your life? Is Jesus the one you serve? Or are you looking for a Jesus to serve you? What's the leaven? We're going to prepare for communion. This is the time to prepare for communion. This is the divine appointment right now. God keeps his divine appointments. We've seen with perfect precision that Jesus is the Passover lamb. Chosen on the tenth. Tested. Removing of leaven. Wednesday night we'll talk about it some more. Friday night we'll talk about it some more. But he came to remove that leaven from our lives. He didn't come to conquer land. He came to conquer the human heart. Your heart. My heart. He came to remove our sin as far as the east is from the west. As we enter into this appointed time for communion right now, let's close our eyes, bow our heads, and take some moment to ask ourselves these questions about the leaven that Jesus wants to remove by his grace, by his blood. Are our lives rendered unto God? Do we consume the scriptures as food for our soul? Do we embrace and act on the power of God in our lives? Is God our everything? Are we in right relationship with our neighbor? Is Jesus our Lord? Is he the one whom we're alive to serve? Or did he just come to serve us? Tomemos este momento. Let's take this moment um, to examine our hearts para examinar nuestros corazones de acuerdo a esta palabra according to this word that was given to us today. Y pensemos en las relaciones con nuestro Señor y con las personas alrededor de nosotros. And let's think about the relationship between our God and us and the people around us. La palabra de Dios dice que si tomamos esta cena de una manera no digna, traemos juicio sobre nosotros. The Word of God says that when we take communion in an unworthy manner, we bring judgment upon ourselves. And God, you know what? God does not want us to be condemned with the world. Dios no quiere que seamos condenados con el mundo. And that's why, in a loving manner, He corrects us. 
y desepuenzas. Y por eso de que en una manera amante nos corrige y nos disciplina. Therefore, let's take a few minutes right now. Bow our heads, close our eyes. Tomemos unos momentos ahorita. Incline su rostro. Cierre sus ojos. Y hable con Dios. And speak with the Lord. And ask Him to search your heart. Y pidámosle al Señor que examine nuestro corazón. Y que nos enseñe that He will show us if there be something in there that needs to be released. Si necesita algo ser suelto ahí. Let's take those moments. Tomemos ese momento ahorita. Father, we, we come before your presence this morning, and we are so grateful, Lord, <clears throat> that by the blood of your Son, Jesus, we are free from the wrath that is to come, Lord. R.C. Sproul said it in a specific way, Lord, when you, when you came to save us, you saved us from yourself, <laughs> and we thank you so much, God. That we are able, Lord, to enter into your presence through the blood of your Son. And we ask, Father, that you would examine our hearts. That we will release the things, Lord, that are being a hindrance in our relationship with you. And in our relationship with others, Father. And in the calling that you've given us to be a light unto this world. Father, let your blood purify us this evening, this morning. And let us be standing before you, Lord, with Like the song was saying, clean hands, pure hearts, and that this itself may be worship unto you. And that it would, it would be a sweet-smelling aroma before your presence, God. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto you, Lord. Presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice before you, God. Lord, let us also be willing to ask for forgiveness And to forgive those who have hurt us. And ask for forgiveness to those we have hurt and we have sinned against, Lord, in the name of Jesus. That we may be free people. Free people. That we will walk in true freedom, Lord. And that the world may see that we are your disciples. And they may be drawn to you, Lord, through that testimony. They may be drawn to your love and to your truth and also be free as we are free, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much, God, for the opportunity to be before you, Lord, and take part in this beautiful time, Lord, in this joyful time, remembering what you did for us. This is also a joy. It's solemn, but it's joyful, Lord, because we know what you did for us, what it represents, and what it brings in the future, Lord, in victory, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And Paul, in uh, 
1 Corinthians chapter 11 says, For I received from the Lord that, sh- that which I also received delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and he gave thanks. And he said, Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who gives us the bread from the earth. And he said, This is my body. It's given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Amen. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper. And he gave thanks. He said, blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who gives us the fruit of the vine. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Take it and do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat and drink of this bread and you drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Amen. And so by this, we declare the mystery that Christ has come. He has died. He rose on the third day and he will come again. Amen. Let us rise and stand. And I'm going to ask our pastors to come forward here who are going to um, pass the, uh, be there with the bread and the, and the cups. And as you feel led, come forward, take a cup, take a piece of bread, and let's participate in the Lord's, the Lord's communion. Amen.
so much, Father, for the sacrifice that you made on the cross. Thank you, God, because of that we are able to approach you. We're able to have communion with each other, Father. Thank you that it makes us free. Lord, that we would walk in that freedom. And that this week, Lord, we would um, be conscientious, and not just this week, but every week and every day of our life, Lord, to make sure that we are cleaning the leaven out of our hearts, that we are giving it all to you every single day, every single minute, wherever we are at, at work, in school, at home, while we're with our friends, with our co-workers, Lord. In the name of Jesus, let us be aware of your presence. Thank you, Father. Thank you because you said before you went up into heaven, I am with you every single day until the end of the age. Thank you, Lord, for that promise. Thank you, Father. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and give you peace. Shalom. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Y'all have a victorious week and be blessed. We love you guys. Jesus washes me.